Amen. As you remain standing for the reading of God's holy word, we, this morning, this first Sunday of the month of June, enter into a new series of messages. At the beginning of the year 2016, this year, we said to you that there are three main series that God has given us to share with you throughout this year. The first was a 12-message series called A Prophetic Word, which we heard 12 messages from 12 texts within the Old Testament prophets talking about a word from the Lord through prophetic utterances. And now this second series begins a brand new 12-week series on Sundays and Tuesdays. Tell somebody, don't miss Tuesdays. If you like God's word, you're going to love the next 12 Tuesdays. Amen. And the series is entitled, A Right Now Word. A Right Now Word, in which we are taking 12 parables of Jesus, 12 of the 46 parables of Jesus. And we are sharing these parables over the next 12 weeks, allowing the Lord to speak to us with a right now. Somebody say right now word. And so here's the text for this first message of this series. The gospel that has been recorded by St. Luke chapter 15 verses 1 through verse 7. And we're reading from the New International Version, the NIV translation. Hear what God has to say to us concerning a right now word. Verse 1, Then all the tax collectors and the sinners drew near to him to hear him. And the Pharisees and the scribes complained, saying, This man Jesus receives sinners, and he eats with them. One translation says, And he even eats with them them. So he spoke, so Jesus spoke this parable to them saying, what man of you having 100 sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the 99 in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds it. And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. Verse 7 says, I say to you, Jesus speaks these words. He says, I say to you that likewise there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner. Look at somebody and say one sinner who repents than over 99 just persons who need no repentance. And those who love God's word said amen. Before you sit down, catch someone by the hand. Hold those hands. Here's the Subject for this first message of this brand new series that's entitled, A Right Now Word. Here is the subject for message number one. Very simple. Hold those hands, squeeze someone, look at them, and say, everyone matters. Amen. Everyone matters. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Everyone matters. Look behind you and say, everyone matters. Mm. You need to say that more often so the enemy can hear. And all the sedated people can hear too. All those who judge so many people and only think that they're going to heaven. Nobody else. The devil is a liar. I showed up this morning to declare and decree 
that everyone matters. Listen, one of the most disappointing things about the human race, one of the most disappointing things about us as human beings, Dr. Mary Helms and others who've studied uh, the nature of people and tried to work with people for a long, long time, is our propensity, our inclination to embrace what is known as caste systems, social hierarchies, which allows us to assign significance to a person to assign significance to a group of people based on how important, based on how valuable we may think they are. Mm. Social hierarchies, caste systems. We, we seem to assign significance to people based on whether or not we think they are important. We live in a society of people wanting to be VIPs and MVPs and, and the top dog of all of them want to be number one. Believe it or not, there are those who somehow believe that some people's lives matter more than others. Believe it or not, there are people that sit among you every day. In fact, some that worship with you every Sunday work with you every day on the job that, 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 that seem to have embraced the idea that based on who you are and what you're worth that you matter more than others. In fact, in some parts of the world, it is common to separate people by distinctions of their bloodline, their profession, or their wealth. There are countries such as India that it is a part of their constitution. They, they, they believe in caste system. It goes back thousands of years. There are other parts of the world where, where that matters a whole lot to people who you're born to. Amen. What you have been born with and where you have been born in a place that matters. And if you are fortunate enough to have the right bloodline, then you are more significant than others. I'm preaching hard now. If you're fortunate enough to have been born in the right situation with the right amount of wealth, then, then, then you are significant. You are important. However, I'm here this morning to declare that one of the fundamental principles of our Christian faith is that the Lord, our God, loves everyone. I want to say that again. One of the fundamental principles of our Christian faith is the Lord, our God, loves everyone, regardless of who they are, where they are from, and yes, even what they have done. Let me tell you, from God's perspective, everyone matters. And if you are a child of God, if you are a follower of God, if you are a leader uh, for God's kingdom, then you must adopt God's perspective. And you must live like God intends for us to live. And we can't go around thinking that some people are more important than others. Some people deserve more intention than others. The devil is a liar. And I don't want you, no matter who you are, to think any less of yourself based on what other people have said about you. Look, you, those who have been fortunate enough to have matriculated to institutions, higher learning, and got degrees behind their name, that's a wonderful thing. And I would never trivialize or minimize that because we all should strive. But we've got to look at everybody the same. Come on, somebody. The person who picks up your trash is just as important as the person who pulls your tooth. Amen. 
the person uh, that, that puts the groceries in your bag are just as important as the person who x-rays you when you go into the emergency room. Amen. Don't you allow anybody to think that anyone is more significant than anybody else. We all matters. Everyone matters. And the church needs to know that we are not a social club. We are not a place where people come dressed up, looking good, just to get a hookup or to make yourself feel good when church is over. Amen. That person who does not know the Lord, we ought not rest contented until we reach out. I am concerned, and I must say this. Uh, Mother, I said this to the church at 8. I am concerned because there used to be a time where the church felt an obligation, members did, to invite other people to the Lord. Now we rush to get to church, rush to find our best seat, rush to get our praise on, rush to find our way to the altar and get our own anointing and go back home and don't think of anybody else. Why those all around us, even people in our own house, are on their way to hell. And we seem to be content with that. And don't know the Lord. And need somebody to encourage them. Listen, may I take my time and preach this. These next 12 weeks, I am looking so forward to it. Listen to what the Apostle Paul writes in Romans chapter 2 and verse 11. The NIV translation. He writes these most profound words. For God does not show favoritism. I want you to see this. Here's what Paul says. Now, church folk may do, and other folk may do, but God does not show favoritism. If you give $50,000 or 50 cents, you are still just as important to the Lord. If you don't have anything to give, the widow's might was the only offering that Jesus highlighted in his ministry. Why? Because the amount did not matter. The intent of our heart made a difference. And so God does not show favoritism. God does not have any pick people. Come on, somebody. You, uh, just, just because you are so-and-so doesn't mean, let me tell you, if there's one thing I despise, and I tell my sons, and I was told this as a son, and I will always tell, you are no better than anybody else. Also, you're no worse than anybody else. We need young people to know that they are just as important, but they are no more important. Amen. We, we live in a society where people so easily look down on other people. We are living in a society where folk who have a little bit more think that they are a little bit more. But the devil is a liar. Somebody help me declare so the enemy can hear you. Everyone matters. Everyone matters. Listen, Peter the great apostle and uh, one of the founders of the New Testament church writes in 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 9. He writes these words. The NIV translation once again says it like this. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promises, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish but everyone to come to repentance. God does not want anyone to be lost. And I don't care who you are, he's not content if there's just one person who does not know him. He wants us all to be saved. Now, if God wants us to be saved, why don't we want it? Why can't we reach out beyond our comfort zone? Why can't you encourage somebody to come and hear the word with you. Amen. You ought not be content if there's anybody in your family that do not come to church, that do not have a relationship 
with the Lord. You ought not be content if there's anybody who's close to you, anybody that works with you. There used to be a time where we didn't mind getting on people's nerves, inviting them to come to the altar of salvation. For Jesus says, anybody know that Jesus still says, let me tell you something. And so it says that the Lord does not want anyone to perish. But he wants all, he wants all of us to come to repentance. Let us now, if you will, turn to our text and examine what Jesus teaches us concerning the fact that everyone does matter. In this sacred text, in our text, Luke chapter 15, the religious leaders of that day were very disturbing very angry at Jesus. Why? Because of his willingness to associate himself with what they considered to have been the low lies of that community. I'm preaching to someone. They were upset with him. In fact, look at verse 1. The Message Bible puts it this way. It says in the Message Bible, verse 1, by this time, a lot of men and women of doubtful reputation, men and women with questionable reputations, were hanging around Jesus, listening intently. The Pharisees and religious scholars were not pleased, not at all. They growled. He takes in sinners and eats meals with them. Now look at why they were mad at Jesus. They go on to say, he treats them like they are his old friends. How can you get angry at someone because he's treating everybody like they are somebody? These religious leaders, these sordidi, uppity people, with more education than anointing. Preach, pastor. More titles than anointing. They were more concerned with their protocol. They were more concerned with their traditions than they were trying to reach out with people. There was a reason why these quote, low lives drifted to Jesus. Why? Because the religious leaders did not think they mattered. There's a reason why people now, when text goes on, say the harlots and the sinners and the lepers and those who've been kicked out of the temple found comfort with Jesus. I mean, our churches should never become so uncomfortable that anyone cannot walk off the street down the aisles and feel as if they have a place no matter where they choose to sit, no matter what they have on, no matter what they smell like. They may have clubbed all night long and smell like Jack Daniel himself. But as long as they need the Lord on their side, somebody needs to make room for them. You can set them right next to you and say, you matter, baby. And it doesn't matter where you've come from. What matters is where God wants to take you. Because with God, he has no respect of person. May I preach? I'm tired of country club churches. I'm tired of preachers who feel like they have to protect their anointing by avoiding certain people in this world. No, you don't have to protect anything. Your anointing ought to make you come down to their level and share your God with them. Because if one person turned their life to the Lord, it's worth it. Come on, somebody. Look at somebody and say, when was the last time you witnessed to anybody? When was the last time? Several years ago, somebody came to me, Brother Deacons. They had a concern because one of the deacons invited somebody to church. 
and it didn't quite look like the rest of the folk that was sitting on the road. No tie, no suit, sitting there, shirt out, no socks, uh, looking like they just got up in the morning. And somebody came to me and said, Brother Preacher, we need to have a rule <laughs> that you got to at least look a certain way before you can sit up there. I say, I've got another rule. Why don't you go in the back and let more people that look like that? Now, this is no reflection to the deacons because this applies to the preachers, to the pastor, and everybody. Don't ever take our position so serious that we can't reach beyond our comfort zone and invite anybody. All right? You heard it from me. If you invite somebody to church with you next Sunday, Parker, they can sit by you. They can sit by you, Gabe, they can sit by you, Rogers. And if the rest of you got to sit on the third or the second row, that's all right. Because if one sheep hear the gospel, it's worth it. Am I right about it? So God is challenging us, challenging us to understand that individuals matter, not groups. We, we, we have churches that are, that, are, that are obsessed with size of membership. As a matter of fact, I've gotten to the point over the last year or two, I refuse to even say it or quote it. In fact, I don't even know it. If, and people know that, folk at the State House and others ask me, how many members do you have? I said, first of all, I have none. Because no members belong to a preacher. Second, everybody belongs to the kingdom. And if you're obsessed with how many people you have, as opposed to what person did you say, then God needs somebody else to take your place. And if I got to preach until one soul say, here I am. Please help me and say everyone matters. Everybody matters. I don't want anybody to go to hell. I, I am obsessed. Mother, and I hear your prayers. I, I love you, and my mother prays so hard for her family. She, she's got an older brother that I, she prays for every time. Every time I see her, she says, oh, I'm praying for his When he was in the hospital recuperating from a surgery, mama was praying for his soul. In the name of Jesus, let him come to the Lord. And there was a time in which my uncle, your brother, declared that he was an agnostic. But the other week, God having delivered him at 89 years old from an accident, mama and I looked at him and said, do you believe in the Lord? He says, I think now that there's a God somewhere. Mama said, that's better than knowing that there isn't. I'll take progress any day. And you ought to rejoice if somebody you know say, I love the Lord. <laughs> Woo! Of the glory, I told you, I, I feel like preaching this. May I preach this series? And so these religious leaders says in verse number two, the NIV translation, this man welcomes sinners and he even eats with them. In other words, this Jesus has no regard and respect for our cherished sanctions and our rich traditions. They were angry at Jesus because Jesus did not follow their protocol. Because Jesus allowed sinners to share his company. In fact, one of his disciples was a dreaded tax collector. Mary Magdalene, out of whom seven demons uh, were delivered, was a part of his inner circle. He allowed a woman with a questionable reputation to wash his feet with his hair. Jesus could care less about their tradition. His mission was to save souls. And when you don't care about what the uppity folk think, and you know that you're on a mission for the Lord, and if you can reach somebody, then your living has not been in vain. When it's all said and done, I don't want to do your eulogy. And all I say about you is that you came to church every Sunday. Come on, somebody. Guess what? The pews show up every Sunday. 
the lights show up every Sunday. Amen. Uh, you got to do something after you leave here. You don't go to a gas station and fill your car with gas just to put it in the garage and let it sit and never use it. You put gas in your car to drive it. Some of you need to drive the spiritual anointing that God has given you. God has filled you up with some word. You ought to be able to take some word back to your job, back to your community, back to your house, and say, Jesus saves from the utmost, Jesus says, you don't need a collar on to preach the good news. In fact, we've had people leave the church because they can't preach behind the pulpit. In fact, I'm glad they left because they just make room for somebody who can care less about a title or collar. Uh, they are concerned about the anointing that Jesus has on their life. Come on, somebody. Tell somebody you don't need a title to tell the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus had no concern. He was not bothered at all by their criticism. He continued to minister to those who were in need to those who wanted to hear his word, regardless of who they were or what they may have done. Listen, he then goes on, beginning in verse 1, 2, and 3, through the end of the chapter in verse 15, to share three powerful parables concerning our heavenly Father who cares about the loss. First of these three parables is our text for today concerning the lost sheep. Verses 1 through verse 7. Jesus says there was a shepherd. In fact, he, he poses a question to his critics. He says, which of you having 100 sheep? In other words, put yourself. Why? Because to the shepherd, every sheep mattered. No shepherd would be content to lose a sheep. In fact, David killed a bear and a lion for trying to attack his sheep. So Jesus says to them, let me put this in some words that you understand. Which of you having 100 sheep? Those of you who consider yourself to be a good shepherd, and you have 100 sheep, uh, and you turn around in your journey through the wilderness. Help me, Holy Ghost. You notice that one of the 100 somehow is now lost in the wilderness. 100 sheep journeying through the wilderness, and you notice that one is lost. Note the Bible and the parable spends no time on the rationale behind why the sheep got lost. We have too many church folk taking too much time trying to find out how folk got in trouble. How come you got locked up? How come you still an alcoholic? How come you got a divorce? Tell me what went wrong in your life. The devil is a liar. You don't need to analyze anybody's situation. Jesus spends no time analyzing how the sheep got lost. But he transitions to the fact that it was lost. Tell somebody it's lost. You, you don't need to know what happened to somebody, how they got in the shape that they're in, just to know that if there's a need in their life, you've got to do everything you can to win them back to the Lord. So he says in this parable, parable, one gets lost. And the good shepherd, somebody say the good shepherd, uh, the good shepherd knows that he has 100 and know that one is lost. Now, the percentages would say, that's all right. One person got lost. Uh, you ought to go on about your business. In fact, let me correct something. Earlier I said I was glad they left the church. I rescind that, mother. I want them to come back. Just with a different attitude, amen. 
I don't want anybody to be lost. I just want you to change your attitude. Amen. Here's what Jesus says. What about the shepherd, deacon chip, who, who had 100 and noticed one was missing? He could have said, you know, I still have 99. That's not a bad percentage. You go through the wilderness and you end up with 99 and you only have lost one. Most people will say, take those odds and rejoice and say the good news is that I did not lose 10 and I didn't lose 20. I only lost one. But not Jesus. Not the Lord our God. He says the good shepherd leaves the 99 in the wilderness and go search for the one. Nobody knows what happened. Perhaps the sheep got discouraged because he couldn't keep up with the others and just drifted away and now he's lost. Perhaps something distracted the sheep and he lost his focus and he got lost and now he's nowhere to be found. But thank God for shepherd who never stops looking for that one sheep. The Bible says he left the 99, journeyed through the wilderness, looking, searching, uh, finding the one sheep. And when he found that sheep, he did not chastise the sheep did not rebuke the sheep, did not say, I put you on some kind of restriction, but he picked the sheep up, put it on his shoulders. The Bible says, carry it home. The other 99 had to walk, but this one sheep got a personal escort by the shepherd. Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. How many of you are so glad that you have been that sheep and you are out there in a wilderness and the Lord never forgot you? Can I preach? Should I preach? Touch your name and say, neighbor, I've been that sheep. I got distracted. I fell behind. I took my eyes off the prize. I was more concerned about what was around me than who was leading me, and I got lost. But I am so glad that the Lord, my God, the great shepherd who leadeth me beside still waters, the great shepherd, uh, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life he comforts me with his rod and staff i'm so glad that he left the 99 traveled through the wilderness just to look for me and when he found me put me on his shoulders carried me home called his neighbors and said let us have a party because I am rejoicing over this one sheep that was lost, but now he is found. How many of you are so glad the Lord never stopped looking for you? Leave your seat and put your arms around somebody and tell them the Lord is still looking for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Am I right about it? Am I right about it? So glad. Put your hands in the air and say, I was that sheep. I was so lost. I was on my way to hell. The songwriter put it, ah, I was drifting deep in sin. Far from a peace for sure. Then the master of the sea heard my despairing cry from the waters he lifted me now safe am i grab somebody by the hand and said love lifted me love lifted me when nothing else would do Woo! anybody glad he never stopped looking for you Tell somebody he never stopped looking for you. 
I don't care what you've done. I don't care how many drugs you were on. I don't care how many lies you told. He never stopped looking for you. In fact, he's looking for somebody right now. Right now. Stand to your feet all over this place. Let me give you, an, a, pre, give you a preview of three supernatural revelations that we're going to go into depth with on this Tuesday night. From this one power, three things as we put them on the board. Number one, I need you to look at somebody and say, Jesus Christ is the great shepherd, and we all are his sheep. We all are of his sheepfold. Doesn't matter what your title may be. Doesn't matter how many degrees are behind your name. Doesn't matter how much money you make. Doesn't matter if you were saved 30 years ago or 30 days ago. Ooh, we all are his sheep. Here is number two, and we'll deal with this Tuesday night. I love this second observation. Look at someone and say, any one of us. Come on and say, any one of us at any time could make a mistake and stray away from that place where we should be. Don't think that you are beyond a mistake. Am I right about it? But here's the last one. And I need you to catch someone by the hand and say, the Lord our God. Yeah, yeah. I want to say it and get on the devil's nerve. The Lord, our God. Say it with some passion. The Lord, our God, our great shepherd, will diligently search for us. Then will joyfully restore us and forgive us. Because to him, Everyone matters. Now this is what I want to do before we open this altar up. God told me to do this. This is going to take some courage and some Holy Ghost boldness. But I want you to hear the words of this song before you make one move. Pastor Marvin Sapp, our friend, pastor who's graced this pulpit several times writes these words he sees the tears you cry he shares your pain inside <laughs> and sometimes whew, you wonder why he allows you to go through what you go through Look at somebody and say, just know. Or tell somebody, just know he has his hands on you. Your days are filled with dark clouds. Even when the sun is out and from the top of your lungs you shout, will there ever be a change? What shall I do? Look at someone and say, just know he has his hands on you. He has his hands on you. He says he'll see you through. When you cry, he's holding you. So just lift your hands up high, for he will provide. Just know he has his hands on you. Listen to this last verse. Sometimes you feel so alone, lost in the wilderness, don't you? Sometimes you feel like I'm just out here struggling so hard. Like a child lost with no home. They, get, they keep telling you to be strong. But you say, when will it end? When will I win? Whew. But just know. Somebody help me declare, just know he has his hands on you. Now listen, before anybody come, 
I need somebody who's bold enough to say, Pastor, I feel so lost. I'm not perfect. And I feel like I'm in the wilderness. And I hear him calling me. And you want to make that commitment to the Lord now. I want to open this altar up to you. Come on, just boldly walk down those aisles right now. And you just stand at this altar. You want to give your life to the Lord. You hear the Lord calling you wherever you are. Come on. That's right. Come on, young lady. I see you coming in the back. Somebody meet her halfway in. Put your arms around her. Come on, TJ. Somebody else who wants to make that commitment. He just sees. He, come on, walk down there. Somebody else who feel lost. There's another shares. young lady. There's another one coming. Come on. Somebody else. Come on, by the way, sometimes. the Bible says sometimes. Someone else. I know it hasn't been easy, and I know it's tough. There's somebody else walking down the aisle. Come on, don't let them come by themselves. Come on, bring them right now. That's right. That's right. That's right. There's a brother coming down the aisle right now. Come your nose. Yeah. That's right. Come on. Yeah. Bring them in front of the altar. There's another young lady coming, baby. That's all right. You can cry right now. Somebody else, come on. Come on, you want to make that commitment. You feel so lost. We'll wait on you. If you're in the balcony, you cannot be ashamed. Somebody else is walking down the middle aisle right now. Come on, that's Your right. Days. Your days. Somebody, by the way, I want you to clap. Clap like you've never clapped before. Come on, somebody else is calling. Somebody else, he's calling you. Somebody who's about to give up. The devil wants you to die in the wilderness. Thank you, young lady, walking down the middle aisle. Come on, somebody meet her halfway. Don't y'all wait on her. Y'all go get her when they come. Come on, clap your hand. He says, and when you cry, come on, somebody else is coming. Yeah. Somebody else. Uh, look at somebody and say, the shepherd is Just calling you. The shepherd is calling you. Thank you. Come on, somebody. That's right. Somebody else. Walk down those aisles right now. Sometimes God, sometimes. So alone. I know it's not easy, but come on. Like somebody else. God is calling you. No Thank you. Look at God. Come on, 
to those of you that want to leave something at the altar. That's right. He has his hands on you. He has his hands on you. Come on. And when you Maybe you're praying for somebody else. Maybe you know someone who's lost in the wilderness. Come on, and you're praying for them right now. Oh, he has his hands on you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He said, and when you Others are coming. Come on, they're still coming. Come on, those are still coming. Come on. Oh, he has his hands on you. He has his hands on you. Yeah, yeah. He said, and when you cry, As you lift those hands all over this place, everyone matters. Woo. God has given me a restless spirit because if there's anyone I know, anyone that's close to me, and they don't know the Lord, amen, I can't rest until I share the good news of the gospel. You don't want your loved ones to be lost. You don't want your sons or daughters to be lost. You don't want your grandchildren to be lost. You don't want your co-workers to be lost. You don't want your spouses to be lost. The good news is it doesn't matter what they've done. The only thing that matters is that the Lord has his hands on them. Somebody is about to be saved. Somebody is about to be found. And the Bible says when he found the sheep, placed it on his shoulders and he rejoiced and said, this is my sheep that was lost, but now he's found. I declare and decree somebody is about to come to know Jesus Somebody you love whoo, is about to know Jesus. Somebody is about to be saved. And if you're here and you still have just made up your mind that you want to join the church and you want to be saved, after this prayer, you just remain standing. We will take you out also. Lord, we thank you. We bless you. Thank you for this series, A Right Now Word. Thank you for over the next 12 weeks for these 12 parables. Thank you for this first parable. Everyone matters. Luke 15, one through seven. Thank you for reminding us that it really doesn't matter how we got lost, but it matters that we are lost and that you are the great shepherd and that you are searching for us. Ooh. You are willing to leave the 99. I thank you, Lord, because you left heaven with all of the angels. For the Bible said, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son just to come and save us. And we say thank you. Thank you, Lord. Help us not to be contented until we witness to everyone that we know. We share the gospel of good news with everyone that we know and that we invite them to share with us in the beauty and the, and the glamour and the power of salvation. 
This is our prayer. It is in your name we pray and give thanks. And the church said amen. Amen. Put your hand, arms around somebody and say he has his hands on you. You do matter. If you're here and you still want to be saved and you want to join the church, come on. Come on, you can just let the and ministers know. It's not too late. You can go back with the others if you're here. Come on. If you're here, lift those hands. Oh, yeah. He has his hands on you. He has. Woo. That's right. Everybody find somebody. Put your arms around. As a matter of fact, we all get a group hug. Hug the person next and to you, you and tell them everybody matters. Everyone matters. Listen, as you stand to your feet, now here's your assignment. Here's your assignment. There's some people you know that you haven't seen in church sitting next to you. Don't be content every Sunday just to get your praise on. Find out where they are. Track them down. Get their numbers. Hit them up on social media. Just say to them, I miss you. And you matter so much to the Lord. And you matter to me. Because you don't know what they're going through. That lost sheep was by himself struggling to make it. But thank God for the great shepherd who never stop because everyone matters. Amen. Clap those hands and give the Lord a hand of praise right now. Give him a hand of praise. Amen. Amen. We, we invite you to come back on Tuesday night. We will go into greater depth on this power, share with you some other revelations that God has given us concerning this wonderful power. God bless you. Put your hands together. Give God a hand of praise. Come on, give God another praise.